Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy, as we go to the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. Chris, my man, appreciate you joining us. As always, how you doing this afternoon? I'm good, John. Can I just say, as an SEC diehard, I had actually had fun watching that preseason game last night. I know a lot of people maybe only watched like a few plays or a quarter, but like literally all over the field, it was SEC guys from Grant Morgan to Arden Key, Garrett Stidham, Josh Jacobs. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. I, like I, I would just Google a guy's name and look, go, yep, he went to Florida. Yep, he went to Pacific State. It's unbelievable how the SEC is just overpopulating the NFL now. Yeah, I was going to say, because one of the things that made me laugh was seeing Jared Stidham, because I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. The Auburn, I, I, know he, I know he's in the <laughs> NFL, but I'm like, like, I remember him being at Auburn. And, you know, and the fact that, you know, not only do you have so many great athletes that are in the NFL, but even some quarterbacks that maybe people ruled out in the SEC, didn't talk a whole lot about in the SEC, these guys still have jobs. Brandon Allen's another one at the, at the Cincinnati. It's like he's still in the NFL, still doing his thing. And maybe K.J. Jefferson is the next guy we're going to be talking about as an NFL quarterback. Who knows? Chris, uh, going into watching that game, did you realize it was going to be stacked like that, or did you just start hearing the names and then you're like, man, all those guys played in the SEC? Yeah, I mean, I had a couple guys in mind, and and this is really nerdy, but uh, Luke Fortner, offensive lineman from Kentucky, you know, I knew he was competing for the starting center job for the Jaguars, so – I was kind of keeping an eye on him. And, you know, it was like a couple little spots. But, no, it was just I – was, I was like, Caleb on Chason from LSU. Oh, yeah, I remember him. RT, I remember him. So, it was just uh, – you know, it was just a reminder how dominant this conference has been with NFL talent. And know some people don't get into the NFL. I know there's a handful of – or a big portion of the SEC fans that, man, once you move on to the NFL, hey, we wish you luck. But, you know, we're back focusing on our college team. And, you know, we're not really focusing on you playing the NFL. So, I know there's a contingent of that, but, man, it just really does. I mean, you know, it exerts the point that it is the most dominant conference and it is where the best players come to play. And no disrespect to Ohio State and USC and all those kind of schools that have put out great talent in the past. But, man, the SEC really is where uh, winners come to play. Why is that, you think, with the fans that there's that kind of approach that once the players mm-hmm. move on, they're done because they're on the next level? Is it just simply because there's such a love for their team? Yeah, I think for the most part, like if you live in a college town, um, you know, you're you're that is your pro team, and so I think you know a lot to say it. And, and look, I know there's the Cowboys contingent, you know, in Arkansas, and, um, you kind of have that. But I think you know, like if you live in Auburn, Alabama, team, uh, you know, you might have some Falcons fans there, but that's your pro team. And unless the guy was like a generational talent, um, you know, for instance, at LSU in Baton Rouge, Joe Burrow is a god. I know there's some Saints fans there in Baton Rouge, but they literally started showing Cincinnati Bengals games last year in Baton Rouge just so people could watch Joe Burrow and see how he played. And obviously went on a miraculous run and got to the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of, you know, when you grow up in a college town, that, that is your pro team. And, and, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama, they're very much that way too. So they would rather talk about the battle between, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Eli Ricks, who's going to be the better cover corner as opposed to, are right, which you know is Tua going to take the Dolphins to the top this year? I think there's an element to that as well, Chris, because I know we're talking about the, a lot of the NFL, which is fun though. But I think that there's a lot of college football fans that may adapt a team or become a fan of a team 
because of the player. Like we always talk about here in Arkansas, Matt Jones. When he was drafted as a wide receiver going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, there was a lot of people because of that that kind of became Jaguars fans and rooted for him because he got drafted by him. There's probably some people right now that are either going to be more interested in watching Titans games or maybe become a Titans fan because of Traylon Burke. So there's that element, too, where if it's a really great, iconic, awesome player and they go to a particular team, sometimes they can develop into becoming a fan of that team, too. Yeah, definitely, and, and that's a great point. I, I got a buddy who's an Arkansas fan who already bought his Traylon Burks Titans jersey. So uh, you're right. I mean, it's it's not all transferable. I know a lot of folks out there like to play fantasy football, and maybe they don't have a one you know NFL team that they root for. But yeah, certainly, you know, look if if you've committed to yourself to this guy and you've watched him throughout his college career, um, you know, of course you're going to try to root for Darren McFadden with the with the Raiders or whoever. So. Um, there is that, but again, like I, I get it. Some of the, some people, they're just college fans and, and they don't, they don't, once you move on and you go on to the pros, Hey, best of luck to you, but I'm not interested in you anymore. I'm more interested in my college team. And, and to be honest, I mean, in the SEC, the football is so good and the competition level is so good, you know, that most of the college fans in the SEC, you can talk uh, football depth chart 365 days and most people will be absolutely fine with that. Chris, when it comes to the SEC and the SEC West specifically, it's mostly about Alabama, but then there's that race for second in the SEC West. There's a lot of talk about Texas A&M and how good they can be, but also there's a, a talk talk about Arkansas and where they are, where they stack up. So between those two teams in Texas A&M and Arkansas, what do you kind of see an edge? Yeah, what just caution people on Alabama just a little bit. I know it's so easy to just go and pencil them in every year because, look, Nick Saban, obviously, he's won the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, worst case scenario, he's going to lose two games, and it's, and it's absolutely a monstrous year for them. But they played with fire last year. Like, they probably could have or should have lost that game down in the swamp against Florida. They definitely should have lost the Iron Bowl. I mean, if, if – uh, I think Bigsby goes down and bounds. They they lose that game. They miss the playoff. Um, LSU, they play with fire. LSU was not very good last year, and LSU had chances in that game to play. And then, you know, we all know the Arkansas game. Uh, Arkansas got back into it and, and made it a competitive game. And so Alabama, is, as good as they were last year, they play with fire and left a couple of losses on the table that they probably should have had. Um, I look at all the weaknesses of this team right now. The offensive line is not very good for Alabama. Uh, they struggled with pass protection last year, and now they're having to work in some new guys. They brought in an offensive lineman from Vanderbilt, uh, Tyler Steen. They're asking him to play left tackle. Like, I understand you're excited because, like, man, we hit the transfer portal and we addressed the need. Yeah, but you also got an offensive lineman from Vanderbilt. Like, you're Alabama. You shouldn't be poaching Vanderbilt players at this point. So, uh, I look at the wide receivers. You lose John Mechie, you lose Jamison Williams. Uh, they don't have either of those guys on this roster. Now, maybe one of these five-star stud freshman recruits can, can turn into something for them, but I just look at it and say there's a lot of question marks with this team. You have Bryce Young back, the Heisman throw, yeah, that absolutely helps. The defense is going to be ridiculous with Dallas Turner and, and Will Anderson, two of the best defensive players in the country. I, I, I'm not trying to take away from any of that, but I'm just saying Alabama has some work, and – you know, ask any Alabama fan how big of a fan they are. Bill O'Brien as the OC or Pete Golding as the DC. They both hate him. Like most of the fans are like they're just not fans of this guy. So um, Alabama's got some got some issues that they need to address and address very quickly. 
And, you know, as a friend who covers the Texas Longhorns, said, hey, man, do not be surprised if Texas finds itself in a game with Alabama in week two. So I say all that to say everybody's go-to is just, yeah, Alabama's going to win the West, but who's second in the West? Don't be surprised if Bama drops a game or two. And, man, look, if, if, if Arkansas or A&M strikes lightning in a bottle and they could somehow beat Alabama this year and they could find themselves in the driver's seat and still flip up and lose another game, because that's the best part about you play in the West, you beat Bama, you basically have a two-game lead. It allows you a loss to somebody else along the way, uh, having the head-to-head uh, against them. So um, I think A&M's big problem is their quarterback, you know, them not having – had Haynes King not got hurt last year, played all last season, and then was coming back as the returning starter, I think we feel much better about A&M, particularly with them with the number one recruiting class. Uh, but I would say there's a real argument to be made for Arkansas, who's improved every year in the Sam Pittman era, who I think is going to have a dominant run game. I think K.J. Jefferson takes that next step in his development. And I think Arkansas has got one of, if not the best offensive lines in, in the SEC, and I'd even put them a notch ahead of Alabama right now. So there is, there is an argument to be made that Arkansas goes on a run here and maybe slips up and loses a game along the way. But if they can beat Alabama head-to-head, man, they're going to Atlanta. It's insane to think about it, but it's also interesting because of the three teams we just talked about with Bama, A&M, and Arkansas. All three of those teams play each other within the first half of the season. You know, Arkansas and A&M play each other on the 24th. Arkansas and Alabama play each other the next weekend on the 1st. A&M and Alabama play each other on the 8th. So you're talking about, and you never want to look at it this way, it's always about how you finish, but you're talking about possibly the true winner of the West being one in the SEC just in the first four or five weeks of the college football season. Yeah, and then that's where the, the spoiler comes into play, right? Like, this is where it sucks not having Matt Luke at Ole Miss and you have Lane freaking Kiffin. Like, <laughs> he's going to put all his eggs into a basket and try to upset somebody and play spoiler. You know, Mike Leach and, and Mississippi State, they're talented enough where they can play spoiler and beat somebody they're not supposed to. They do it every year. Um, LSU and Brian Kelly, they're a real wild card. You know, somebody said to me last week, they said, you could tell me LSU's going to win six games this year, and I'd say, yeah, I get it. You could tell me LSU's going to win ten games this year, and I'd, you know, I'd say, yeah, I get it. Like, LSU is a team still loaded with talent with a really good coach in Brian Kelly, but nobody has any idea what they're going to look like. So there's a lot of different possibilities, but I think more, likely, more than likely what's going to happen here is we're going to have, you know, even if you're Arkansas and you could beat Alabama this year, does the SEC West take its toll? By that I mean – you, you slip up and you lose to an Ole Miss or you lose to Mississippi State. or You you know, there's always the, that, that team that you think you're better than that, that rises to the occasion and gets the best of you on a given day. Auburn is a team that could certainly, you know, all they need to do is do it once, pull off an upset over a team that they're not supposed to beat because uh, it happens every year in the SEC. Well, with so much uncertainty and all those teams maybe being close in talent, how do you have the SEC West stacking up? Yeah, I believe, I'm trying to remember what I did uh, at SEC Media Days. I'm going to put it on our podcast, the Lockdown SEC, real soon. But I think I do have – I have Alabama winning the West, but I do have Arkansas right there uh, finishing second. I just think Jimbo Fisher is a whole lot of talk and not enough fight. Um, you know, he's done a great job in recruiting, but, man, his offensive schemes are not – like, you got to get into the 21st century here to play in the SEC. We've seen it. And when Joe Burrow and LSU go on their run, they're averaging – 35, 40 points a game. Alabama and Bryce Young, they're averaging 40 points a game. I mean, this is where the game is now. And Jimbo Fisher still likes to play games where they win 
28-25 and, you know, get out with a field goal victory and all this. So, um, yeah, I, I think Arkansas, man, I just the more and more I start to look at what they have. Granted, you know, I'd feel a lot better if they had a Traylon Burks back and, you know, that wide receiver spot was really settled. But um, I, I got Arkansas finishing second. I got A&M finishing third. I got LSU right there at fourth with uh, Ole Miss and, uh, and Mississippi State behind them. And I guess you have Auburn finishing last in the SEC like most people do. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's – look, Brian Harson, <laughs> he's tried his hand. Just, he's got his guys in there. I just He does not have the horses this year, and I think Auburn's going to be one of the worst teams in the SEC. Which is crazy to think about because we know that, you know, we talk about Bama always being there and George always being there and everything, but, like, Auburn I would never have guessed would find them in a position to where they would finish last. I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. But it's just a matter of, and I know we've talked about it, and if they don't do get it done, Harson's going to be moving on. He's not going to have a job anymore. So what in the world does Auburn do? Because it seems like the SEC West is loaded with a lot of really good quality coaches right now. Yeah, I mean, it was a bad hire from the get-go. I mean, this was the constant AD versus the boosters. The boosters want one thing, the athletic director and the school. You know, they want to go the traditional path and go, oh, this guy's, uh, you know, he's rising and, you know, he's on the rise and winning at Boise State and all this. But, yeah, like, that's great. Um, Mizzou thought the same thing about Eli Drinkwitz at App State. It's a cute story. But, man, once you get here, um, you, you got to put on your big boy pants. And some guys rise to the occasion, but most don't. And look at Chad Moore. Fantastic job at SMU. One cut out for, for the SEC. One cut out for Arkansas. So, um, yeah, I think this just happens every year. I know a lot of the fan base wanted to go get Hugh Freeze. I understand you couldn't because of the bad PR and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Hugh Freeze, I think, would have been fine at Auburn. Brian Harson is not. And I think we're going to find out this year that he, uh, you know, recognize him for the fraud that he is. He's not an SEC coach. He'll go back to Boise or wherever he has to go, and he'll win again, do a good job. But some guys just aren't cut out for the big boy league. So Georgia, the team that won a national championship, we know that they're going to be replacing a lot. Do you have similar concerns with them that you do with Alabama? I, I, I'll tell you this about Georgia. I love their offensive line. I love their offensive weapons. They got Eric Gilbert back uh, into the fold, who, of course, was a dynamic freshman at LSU two years ago, dealt with some personal issues. Teams have gotten all that behind him now. Him and Brock Bowers are going to be like just two of the best dynamic one-two punches on offense. And Spencer Bennett is another year mature, another year smarter. I know everybody likes to count him out. You know, we were at SEC Media Days. I saw some people releasing, here's my top five SEC quarterbacks. And I don't see Stetson Bennett on the list. And I'm just going, guys, like, how many times are we going to keep discounting Stetson Bennett, counting him out before we say, this dude belongs in the conversation as one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC? He's not going to throw for 400 yards a game, although he very well could this year if he takes his game to the next level. But, like, he's accurate. He doesn't make mistakes. He's going to be smart with the football. And you know, I, I think with Georgia, the interesting part is I think their defense takes a little bit of a step back this year. You still have – uh, Javon Carter, and you got some good pieces there, but it's not going to be what it was a year ago where they were so dominant, allowing basically seven points a game. So I think Georgia's dynamic little flip this year. I think they're more of the high-flying offense, pretty good defense, kind of what Alabama was a year ago. It'll be a little bit of role reversal, but yeah, I just don't, you know, like Kentucky is good with Levis, Tennessee's good with Hendon Hooker, but I just don't think either of those teams are ready to rise to the occasion to compete with Georgia. So yeah, I, I, I've got Georgia going undefeated and playing for the SEC championship in the East. Now, everybody has their top five quarterbacks ranked a little differently, and so you mentioned Seth and Bennett. How, how do you rank those quarterbacks in your top five? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you got to put Bryce Young one just because he's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Although, like I said, I think his numbers come down this year just because of the weapons he lost. Um, man, after that, it really is like, who do you like? Flavor of the month. I'm a big Will Levis fan, but when you go look at what his numbers were last year, they're not all that impressive. Uh, he could make that, that Joe Burrow like rise this year, as some people are expecting. Uh, Hendon Hooker did did support it with the numbers. The Josh Heupel offense was very friendly to Hendon Hooker, and so. Uh, I've got him up there. Uh, KJ, again, I think it's in him. I, I, we saw a glimpse of it. I think was it the Missouri game a couple years ago where he threw for like 300 yards. Like, I, I think there's a chance that he can get to that, and, and he's throwing for 280, 300 a week, and we feel really good about him, and I would have him in my top five. And then Stetson Bennett up there as well. But th- there's some other guys across the SEC that could certainly jump into this category. Like if Miles Brennan's the guy at LSU, when he was starting prior to, to him getting hurt, I mean, he was throwing for 300, 400 yards against Mississippi State and Missouri. So um, there's some guys that could jump up and get into this category, but those would probably be my five for now. Spencer Rattler, of course, we don't know what he's going to do with South Carolina, but I think it's pretty safe to go with Bryce, KJ, Levis, Hendon Hooker, and Spencer Bennett right now. Georgia and Alabama or the field to win the SEC? Because you've made some points of why you feel like Alabama or Georgia may not be as good, may not be as dominant, maybe some other teams step up. But are you going to take the field, or are you taking one of those two teams to actually win the SEC? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, come on, John. I'm a betting guy. I'm going to put <laughs> money on the underdog and try to win some money. But, like, if you're pressing me to the fire and I have to make a pick, yeah, I'm going to take the easy pick of Georgia or Alabama wins the SEC. But I'm just telling you, it's more fun to say, like, that's probably not going to happen, right? Because the SEC, the media picks uh, that came out of media days, they're always wrong, right? Like, the media gets it wrong, like, 65% of the time. So, them picking Alabama and Georgia, the odds are we're going to have a different team in there than what everybody's predicting. So, um, again, press to the fire. Yeah, I'm going to take them and Georgia, and you can have the field. But, man, if I really want to make some money on a long shot, yeah, let's, let's play some bets on Arkansas to win the SEC. Let's put some money on Tennessee or Kentucky. Why not? Let's get crazy and just say it's going to be Arkansas and Kentucky in the SEC championship game. And, no, I'm not talking about basketball. I am talking about football. I think people's minds would explode if something like that happened. Let me just tell you, about being married to a Kentucky grad, that the tickets for that game will be so expensive because you have two hungry fan bases that just want that so bad and haven't been in a while that, like, they would literally – like, I joke about it with my Bama friend. Like, he, he picks out every year. He's like, nah, I'm not going to Atlanta this year. I'm, go, I'm going to the playoff round one. But maybe I'll save some money for playoff round two. Nah, this year I'm skipping round one. Like, they literally are so selective because they, they – you know, it's like, nah, I'm skipping the SEC championship game this year. I think Arkansas and Kentucky, if they were both there, both those fan bases would literally sell that place out because they're so passionate and just – you know, ready to explode and want success for their team, and they'd be so amped up and excited. I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I mean, let's let's get some new blood in there. I'm sick of the same old same old. I know. I think it'd be great, uh, especially here in the state of Arkansas. I mean, listen, because if who would you not to th- anything against Kentucky, but who would you rather play, Kentucky or Georgia in the SEC title game? I think Rams Razorback fans would pick Kentucky each and every day. But Chris, man, hey, we appreciate you joining us, man. Good stuff. Enjoy fall camp and do a great job covering all things sec man and we'll be catching up with you as the season comes up all right yeah thanks john if folks missed it i had a good interview with Jalen cattle on a couple weeks ago i'm off on sec encourage you guys oh, yeah. to go check it out we get a little uh, glimpse into his life off the field uh loves to be, loves to be fishing all the time <laughs> absolutely appreciate it chris have a good one man all right thanks